What is up? Welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing here with you for episode 107. And alongside me, as always, the man himself, contributor to SodaSoccer.com, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? Uh, I'm doing well. A lot going on. Got college soccer kind of kicking really into gear now. Uh, same with high school soccer, too. And uh, yeah, looking forward to chatting about all the interesting things going on in, in MLS and outside of MLS today. We are presented by, of course, SodaSoccer.com, your new home for soccer coverage in the North. Check us out, SOTASoccer.com, for all your Minnesota soccer coverage from Minnesota United, lower league, college. It is all there, so go check it out. And if you have not subscribed to the podcast feed, please do so. Let's you know when we drop a new episode of 10K. Also, let's you know when we drop a new episode of Post Loons following every Minnesota United match. So uh, if you subscribe, it's right there in your feed for you. And then uh, also leave us a rating and review if you haven't as well on uh, Apple Podcasts, or you can leave those ratings on Spotify now as well. Um, Dom, we probably should have been wearing black today. If we really think about it, uh, if you if you're uh, just tuning in and you're not really aware of what's going on, so evidently things are not looking good for the Queen herself, Queen Elizabeth mm. II. Um, I guess like they're calling all the all the royal family to I don't know where she is. I think she's actually somewhere in Scotland currently. Um, but um, yeah, they're calling all them to go see her. Uh, she's under quote unquote medical supervision as we're recording right now, but. What's interesting about this, Dom, I was reading up on it, and this is kind of fascinating. So we'll get into the soccer talk in just a second. But I literally, like 30 minutes before we were on the air, I sort of really dove down this rabbit hole. There's this thing called Operation London Bridge, Mm. where I guess they have had this plan, this process plan for what happens when the queen dies. Mm. Um, Like down to like the minute of like what's going to happen, when the announcement's going to be made. Like all of this, so like, um, like the BBC, all of their uh, news anchors are like dressed in black today, I guess. Um, like the website is like, you know, all the bannering and stuff is black. Like it's just very like there's like this process that I guess is kind of starting right now, um, and then there will be a very specific timeline in place for everything that happens after she passes away. It's just very. Very interesting how things, and I guess she had, the, the queen had some say in that. Obviously her successor, Prince Charles, had some say in that. But just hmm. just very, very interesting to, to kind of see how meticulous this process is for the royal family. Yeah. Well, and I, I suppose, you know, you're talking about um, a, a country or, or a kingdom that hasn't uh, really had to deal with this in the modern digital era. Obviously yeah. she's been... Uh, queen for so long so um yeah i suppose there's probably a lot of very specific kind of new things that uh that they're that they're um having to do and also she's technically queen of she's still technically queen of a lot of places too so i'm sure there's a lot of other places you know have um all kinds of things they have to do i don't know how that fits into that that operation but you know there's a lot of independent nations that that are she's technically still the, the monarch of yeah. um all over the world so um yeah that's really interesting you don't always think about obviously you know we we live in a country that doesn't have monarchs so we don't always think about um how how people how countries you know operate with losing those sorts of people but yeah that's really interesting yeah 
Um, and to reel this in and uh, kind of take the soccer angle of this, like I was listening to uh, KFAN this morning while I was taking my girls to um, to daycare, and they were talking about you know the the NFL season starts tonight, and they were like, "What happens if the queen dies like during the game? Like, what are they oh. going to do? Like, are they going to like break in with news coverage? Because like nobody, I mean, people in America largely care a lot more about the start of the NFL season than they do." about whether the queen of England is alive or dead. Like, let's just get that out there. Yeah. But yeah. To take the soccer angle on this, there are a couple of Europa league games today that include um, team, you know, include uh, UK clubs, right? Uh, Manchester right. United plays at home, Arsenal plays, but they're not at home. Like for, so for Manchester United, for example, they're at home at Old Trafford. What happens if the queen dies during the match? Like, do they just like, they're just going to like stop play and like, or like what, like, I just, it's very weird because it's, it's such a big deal over there, obviously. Right, right. Um, and I think largely though, these days people are maybe getting more and more laxed about it and, and, you know, yeah. casual, but like, it's such a big deal. Like what, what would, I mean, I guess they would probably play out the game and then deal with it after, but it's just kind of interesting to think about like the the greater news angle, but then also how it would impact sports and like what happens during the premier league this weekend? Does everybody wear a black armband oh, sure. or like, you know, all of that. It's just kind of interesting. Yeah. No, that is, yeah. Obviously, obviously England is a very important country in the context of soccer. So yeah, it's yeah. interesting to think about how something going on in terms of the national culture there would, would affect kind of the rest of the world's viewing experience and soccer experience. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. Uh, I, I guess hopefully for for uh, her her own sake, this all ends up being unnecessary, and she doesn't pass <laughs> away. But uh, but it, yeah, it, it's interesting that how how much sort of like infrastructure has to be built around planning um, around that situation. But yeah, it's very interesting. All right, that is our edition of Dom and Jeremy talk uh, monarch monarch the monarchy. <laughs> Talk the monarchy. Maybe we'll launch a second podcast on our Patreon where we where we talk about uh, <laughs> the uh, British monarchy. Maybe not though. Um, so let's talk about Minnesota soccer, shall we? Six minutes forty one seconds in, probably uh, banter that nobody uh, asked for. So let's get into the loons. Um, suffered a three nil home loss to FC Dallas on Saturday. It was nil nil at half. Things were looking really competitive early on in this match. Um, I Minnesota while while the possession and everything you know as far as stats wise and the way things were looking in the midfield was like pretty head to head Minnesota was definitely getting the better of the of the opportunities the chances they were getting better opportunities on goal in the first half um obviously couldn't bury one but you were still feeling good heading into halftime that things were competitive and and you know uh, you're feeling good about Minnesota's chances especially playing at home but then there was what Adrian Heath has now called and uh, is kind of taken on a life of its own. Quote, unquote, five, min- five minutes of madness uh, in the second half between the 55th and 59th minutes, three FC Dallas goals. Um, just really shell-shocked the loons. And the cap off to this was, uh, in my opinion, the one that stands out to me is the third goal where Jesus Ferreira, of all people, just gets wide open in the box on a cross and uh and buries the third goal that pretty much does Minnesota United in at that point. Um just just really 
shell shocking the loons. And Adrian Heath said after the game, he didn't think the team played poorly. He actually really, you know, for the most part was happy with the performance, but it was just that five minute stretch that, uh, that did him in. Um, Dom, what did you think about the performance as a whole? And obviously that, that influential stretch of minutes there. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I guess I'll split this into two things. I'll, I'll start actually with the, that sort of question of whether or not they played poorly. I don't, I, I think they played poorly, but I don't think that those four minutes and three goals are the specific indicator of them playing poorly. I, I think that when you have as many shots, when you have as high of an expected goal as Minnesota United had at home and you don't score at all, that's playing poorly. It's not that, that's not chance. that's not playing well because mm-hmm. creating chances isn't how you get points. Scoring goals is how you get points. So uh, I think that in terms of what they did with their time on the ball, that Minnesota United did fail in a lot of the things that they needed to do. I, I think that that's very open criticism. Those four, three minutes, whatever it ends up being, where those three goals go in are not necessarily like indicative of how the defense looks the whole 90 or anything like that. But also, obviously, I mean, it's it's an absolutely like ludicrous amount of goals to concede in a short period of time. It, it's, it's completely bonkers. Um, and what was interesting is in a lot of those goals, at least how I was seeing them, they really narrowed it on the issues that we saw in the RSL game, particularly the first two goals, which is that, you know, a lot of people's worry about this back line with Debassi out, with Coleman in and all that was going to be like about pace. But what we've actually seen, I mean, there's been some moments where maybe obviously certain people look faster or whatever, but, but really minute to minute, the problem seems to just be like area awareness and, yeah. and situational awareness. It's not really about being outrun. In fact, most of these situations where everyone was already kind of in the box, in the area, yep. um, and just not being aware of what's going on around you. I think the, the Cordova and the Sovereigna goal in, in the RSL game were that way, not so much the third goal, but, um, and then obviously really the three goals here were all kind of a version of that. Um, you know, not marking really important players that you should be watching for. Um, obviously that first goal is an own goal, but there's just those same failures really popped up in this game, which was disappointing. You know, we talked last episode about obviously how, if you're going to struggle against RSL this way, then FC Dallas isn't going to be any easier because it's a statistically better front line. Um, Mm -hmm. That showed. And, and, you know, it took them longer. It took FC Dallas longer to figure that one out against Minnesota. Um, Obviously that first RSL goal, I think was like one of the first 10 minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, their patience paid off. They survived any chances Minnesota created and, and they got their goals when they needed to get them. Uh, and then obviously, you know, there's some other drama after the goals that sort of helped make any sort of comeback seem unlikely. Um, yeah, it was a really... I, I get probably what Heath is saying, which is that it wasn't like 90 minutes of terrible. Like, it, it wasn't like this horrible, horrible game where just everything was bad. Which rarely, I mean, how often did that really happen anyway? But um, mm. at the same time, nothing about that match was like reassuring. <laughs> even in the first no. half, even in the first half when it was 0 0, there was nothing about that 0 0 45 minutes that made me like jazzed about where this team was. 
I, I think it was a poor performance that is sort of like top heavy in how the the, the poor performance appears because you have the scoreline and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, it, it was really adding on to all the things that were bad about the RSL performance. And, and obviously those two performances are coming together really the worst time possible for this team, um, which is obviously, you know, a big concern. This to me shows the, you know, there are a lot of positive differences about this Minnesota United team this season in comparison to teams of past. Obviously in the attack, they're much better. Um, I think they're much more rounded in the midfield as well. But this to me is sort of, if we're going to have a, a negative difference this season to previous Minnesota United teams, it's that they don't have the defensive quality to to uh, survive a match like this where you're not taking your chances in the attack. How how often has this been a problem in the attack for Minnesota where, you know, a billion shots, a few on target, no goals. Right. But in prior seasons, they've been good enough at the back to keep the other team off the score sheet. So you really only need to put one of those away to get a result. Traditionally. This team, especially without Bakai Debasi at the back, is not that kind of team. They have to put away these chances if they are going to get results in matches because they are not going to clean sheet anybody. There's a reason why. What they have, what two, maybe two clean sheets this season? Maybe just one. I actually don't. I don't know what the exact number is, but not it's many. it's not many. And there's a reason why. There's a reason why they only have one or two clean sheets this season, and Dane St. Clair has played as good as he has in those yeah. matches. It's because they're defensively far and away there it's a it's a step back this season defensively for this team significant and that's before you even factor in the fact that they don't have Bakai Debasi this season right so you need to outscore teams now if you're Minnesota and when you when you have the xg advantage in a match you know the way they did what was the xg let me um, I got the stats pulled up here uh, one, one point expected goals for Minnesota, 0.9 for Dallas. 15 shots for Minnesota, um, two on target. That's not that's not going to cut it. You, you're playing a game now if you're Minnesota. You're playing a style, whether it's forced by injury or lack of preparation for a, a situation like this in which you lose one of your most influential defenders. You're now at a point where there's a lot of pressure on this attack to take their chances and put up multiple goals, put up crooked numbers every single time out, because if they don't, they are not going to come out victorious in matches. That's just how this team plays now. And it's so polar opposite to what we've seen in the past, especially in 2019 and 2020, every match was one nil, one, one, two, one. Yeah. Right. Nil, nil. Right, that's not happening this season. So when the attack is just a little bit off in terms of that finishing quality and that clinic, you know, the clinicalness in the final third, they're not going to win. And that to me is the concern. There's a lot of positives. It's not all doom and gloom, right? Um, there's a lot of reasons to be to be bullish about this team's chances moving forward and into the playoffs because Reynoso, uh, Maria Fragapane, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, have been playing so well in the attack. But especially when you get to the playoffs and you get to these one-game scenarios, these one-game situations, 
-hmm. Like those matches are won a lot by teams who defend, 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 and counter. That's usually the type of style that more often than not comes out uh, on the better end in those, in those playoff type matches, which is why you see, especially in MLS, a lot of unpredictability in the playoffs. That's why a team like LAFC in 2019, far and away supporter shield winners, you know, the best record in league or most points in league history. They don't even make it to a conference final. Right. right? That's because one night you don't put away your chances. You could, and probably will get beat. Right. That's what Minnesota United is facing right now. So I'm not saying it's going to be this way come October 9th. Um, I think as Coleman gets more time and gets better acclimated, that we'll kind of see more of that better version of him that we saw early, you know, early this season, um, last season, even in 2019. He's traditionally been a really good fill in along the back line. He just hasn't gotten a lot of minutes, so it's going to take him more time to get acclimated. But even then, there's just so much more pressure on the attack than there's been in the past because they don't have the defensive quality to keep teams off the board. And you see yeah. this even in a match where, you know, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you, Dom, and the fact that I thought outside of that five minute span, or at least up until that, I thought they were competitive, if not the better team of the two. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, especially when you're facing a team with the attacking capability like FC Dallas, and those are teams you're, if, especially if you get past the first round of the playoffs and you get deeper in, you're going to be playing attack front lines like that, similar or better quality. You need you need to outscore them if you're Minnesota, and I just sure. can, that from a consistency standpoint, I don't know if that's necessarily reassuring. Yeah, I think one thing, uh, you know, I mean, there's other things to talk about from this game. But just one quick thing, um, I think, and you know, in, in fact, I think that what I'm about to say, the great example of this is like you're saying, kind of in playoff soccer where you can have all sorts of styles that thrive. You know, you had, what what was it last year where RSL made it through what, like two or three levels of the playoffs by basically just bunkering down and scoring like one goal at the end of the yeah. game or whatever. I think there was a PK shootout or two in there too. Um, I think there's a difference between kind of, kind of back to the point about, you know, Adrian Heath saying that they performed well the whole game other than the time, whatever, that whole thing. I think there's a difference between being the better team and playing better. I don't know how to say that. I don't know if I'm saying that quite right, or maybe there's a difference between being the better team and playing well. Mm-hmm. I think that you can be the, you, I think you can show better qualities in a game. But to me, especially if it ends and you didn't score any goals and you conceded a bunch, that doesn't mean you played well. It just means that you showed skill sets in in moments where they weren't even necessarily resulting in anything and that doesn't mean you played well that just means that you have good skill levels that means your fifa cards are higher numbers that doesn't mean that you like that doesn't mean that you did anything in terms of the league or the game so um i i think that's where the my concern like this is obviously a very talented group um they should be higher on the table than they are i mean they the the, the skill level that's there even with the injuries that have happened all that kind of stuff um, but when you have that and then, you know, two games in a row of, and, and actually this game, you know, statistically more likely to have scored a goal and nothing's happening, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a failure. Um, 
having a team having a team score three times their XG against you and you having a solid 1.2 is a pretty solid XG mm-hmm. uh, and having no goals, that means you did something really wrong. Like, I mean, that, that, that's not just a thing that happens. So, yeah, I, and, and to your point about the playoffs, that, that does create those concerns, those questions about, like, what does this team look like in the playoffs? Where there's going to be teams that are going to be really challenging them to even have interesting moments and, and, and create space. What is that going to look like when there's something on the line, so to say? Um, that's going to be really interesting. But, yeah, yeah you know, I, I think this team is, this is a really talented group. My concern is that a lot of these games, I'm seeing that talent flash in all the situations where it doesn't matter because it's not resulting in a good shot on goal and a goal. So um, that that's my concern, I guess. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at Ninth Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Ninth Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Ninth Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Ninth. Ninth Street MPLS. That's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google, or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online at NinthStreetMPLS.com. And, and it's and it's a valid one. And I think we'll get a better, obviously get a better idea of how they'll look come playoff time as we get closer to the playoffs, right? If, right, right, right. You know, if we see a much better cohesion along the back line, specifically between Boxall, Kalman, and then if you want to look to the other side of Boxall, whether it's Taylor or Benitez there, um, if Benitez improves his positioning or maybe it's DJ and they kind of go more defensive um, with that look, then then maybe things start to turn around and you start to feel a little bit um, better about keeping teams off the board in the playoffs specifically. And maybe the attack comes alive and refines that consistency and and maybe they uh, you know are able to outscore teams uh, in the playoffs mm-hmm. as well. But as of right now, you look at the, just look at this last week, six goals conceded, none scored. Um, and you're looking ahead to two matches now where you're not going to have Franco Fragapane on the left. He gets suspended for the Portland match due to the red card. But then he also gets a yellow card accumulation expansion or excuse me, suspension for the following match against LAFC. So, um, you're without your, your midfielder, Amanda Reynoso. Um, I haven't seen, uh, I guess it's Thursday morning, so we wouldn't have an injury report yet, but, um, he still seems very questionable for Saturday. I mean, even if he's. 75, 80%. I don't know. I don't know if you risk throwing him out there anyways, if you're Adrian Heath, um, especially without Fragapane. Uh, so 
we'll see. But at the same time, you know, this last week has left a lot to be desired and it really stops this team in its tracks as far as the momentum they were building and the run of form they were in. Uh, but on the other side, that also can give you confidence that maybe they can turn things around and specifically maybe gives the team more confidence that they can turn things around because they've done it before. And because they had been playing so well for, you know, a two and a half month stretch. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Kamar Lawrence said as much in, in training this week, I asked him specifically, I'm like, you know, do you guys feel better? about your chances to kind of overcome this and get back on track because of that run of form that you've had recently. He said, yeah, that's actually the biggest reason why, you know, there's a big difference when you're just not playing well over a long period of time versus when you've been playing well and you hit a rough patch, right? And there's more confidence that among the team that this is just a rough patch and they will turn things around. But to me, that starts with getting better at the back. It starts with solidifying your defense, taking some pressure off of Dane St. Clair and finding ways just to keep teams off the board and to do so consistently. That to me is going to be the biggest factor. Not how many chances are they generating? How good's the attack looking? How many goals are they scoring? To me, especially when you get to playoff time, it's going to be, how's this defense looking? How's this defense playing? How's this back line looking? How are they how are they doing in keeping teams off the board, keeping teams shots on goal down? Right. How many shots are they blocking? How many clearances are they making? How is the how is the defensive midfield doing in, in eliminating those attacking sequences before they even start? That that to me are gonna be those are gonna be the bigger indicators. I'm more concerned about the six conceded than I am the zero scored mm. over the over this week. Um yeah, much more concerned. concerned. Much more concerned about the six conceded than the zero scored. Um, but kind of moving on here, looking at the table, Minnesota United fifth, um, fifth on points, fourth on points per game currently in the uh, in the table because Nashville um, they have a game in hand on Nashville ahead of them. So, I mean, all you know, you're, you're still in competition for the home playoff spot, but now you're thrown right back into that Western Conference chaos. Right. You had a little bit of, of wiggle room. You had a little bit of breathing room from it. You were kind of closer to that top tier than you were that mid tier um, just a week ago. And now suddenly you find yourself, you know, right back in the thick of it, into the thick of it. Uh, but <laughs> that should be somebody on uh, somebody on TikTok who is a Minnesota United fan should do that. But um, anyways, so. We were looking at the playoff probabilities. Minnesota United have a great probability of making the playoffs, but they, they've they been saying pretty much during this whole run that they have to host a playoff game. If they don't host a playoff game, that's going to be seen as a disappointing regular season. And on points right now, you're actually on the outside looking in as far as the home playoff picture is concerned. So it's going to take, it's going to take that turning around to solidify that positioning but it's not going to be easy. And to me, the biggest factor in that is going to be how they tighten things up defensively. Um, But it doesn't get any easier. I mean, you're playing a desperate Portland side on the road Saturday night. Probably you're definitely without Franco Fragapane. Um, If I had to take a guess right now, I'd say you're probably also going to be without Emmanuel Reynoso. So talk about putting more pressure on your back line to keep the other team out of the back of the net. When you don't have your left winger and your and your um, number ten, who have been 
arguably the most influential factors in this kind of a, a um, goal scoring renaissance that we've seen from Minnesota United. Um, right. It's it's a it's a tough outlook, specifically against a Portland team that's that's battling desperately for a playoff spot. They're going to be at home at Providence Park. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I and mean, you look at the last time these two teams played, it was a four four draw at Allianz, right? So um, yeah. there's there's a lot of questions going in. Um, but I mean, you you need to get a result somehow, some way. You need to scratch one out to sort of keep pace, right? If you come out, if you come out on the opposite side, you don't get any points. That really gives other teams the opportunity to pull away from you in Nashville's case, but also leapfrog you when it comes to the galaxies and the RSLs and the people who are right there behind you. Yeah. And there's a Portland side in good form. I think they had three straight wins. Um, yeah. Obviously a, a famously intimidating place to travel to play. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's a rough series. Of, you know, it's a kind of series of games that, that you have with them in the Portland game, the LAFC midweek. And then I think the, the next one is away to SKC. Um, it, it's the kind of run of games that you have to be able to find your way through if you want, you know, to be a particularly competitive team. So it, it, it's a fitting challenge, but it's quite a challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously Portland, like you said, really want to get all the points they can out of these games. They want to make sure they at least sneak into the playoffs, if not more confidently. Um, if Portland win that game, albeit they'll, they'll have a game in hand, but they will have more points than Minnesota United. Yep. Uh, so, you know, it's not quite a, uh, a six-pointer, but it, it's it's a bit of a decisive match for both teams in terms of how they look in the, in the, in the table. And then you, you have to host LAFC who have sort of just coincidentally have just sort of dipped out of a poor run of form, looked really good against RSL. <laughs> and, yep. uh, you know, probably, probably would have liked to play them two weeks ago. Um, that's not mm-hmm. how it worked out, but obviously you hope that you have as many people available for that game as possible. And then after that, I know that sporting Kansas city, have had a bad year, but traveling to SKC is never going to be something any team particularly wants to do, especially if the fans show up and there's energy in the stadium. Um, that's also historically just been a rough place to play for Minnesota United. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a bit of a gauntlet that's forming, uh, which I suppose is fitting, obviously, because you know the team's trying to make make it to a, a major achievement. But they're they're going to have to find ways to do it without some key pieces, especially in this Portland game. They're going to have to find ways to they're going to have to find ways to do what they wanted to do against RSL in a more effective way. They're going to have to fi- have to find ways to rotate this group without it providing weak performances. They're going to have to find ways to, like you said, strengthen their defense against two very good front lines in these next two games. And, you know, it, it sounds, it's going to be tough. I, I'm not quite sure how well this team's going to come out of it. That being said, you know, like, like you said, with a statistically, this team surely will make the playoffs regardless. Um, and, and that's sort of the, the safety net. But, you know, if they end the year without that home playoff game, that's, that's going to be disappointing. So anyway, I mean, just uh, really high stakes games coming up, uh, all in short succession to each other. Uh, and and it, it, it's, it's going to be a very interesting learning experience about what this squad is capable of as the, as the pathway sort of narrows 
on their way to to all the big achievements. We'll have more on uh, Minnesota United's kind of playoff odds. Um, you know, odds not only to make the playoffs, but to advance, you know, Western Conference final, MLS Cup, all that. And uh, kind of how this Western Conference is looking and what the results could indicate as far as where their positioning is, both in the short and long term. Um, that'll be our episode of 10K Stoppage Time this week. So if you're a Patreon, just head over to patreon.com slash Soccer after this is over and check that out. If you're not a Patreon, you can uh, contribute. Uh, it's our five and $10 tiers that get access to that bonus content. So if you want to hear that, just uh, go to patreon.com slash soda soccer, uh, pledge your support, and then uh, you will uh, get access to that bonus content. Again, patreon.com slash soda soccer. All right, now on to MNUSC2. Loons lose 2-1 to in North Texas, ending their playoff hopes. Two matches are left in the season, but the, uh, the Dubloons officially mathematically eliminated from playoff contention this year. Um, but it was AZ Jackson who has been one of the highlights of their first year. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, top chance creator in the league by far this season gets his ninth goal of the campaign. Um, you got to think he'll be up for, you know, MVP consideration, uh, when the season's all said and done, but, uh, you know, mathematically eliminated, but, you know, talk to Cameron Knowles and AZ himself after the match. And, um, you know, they both kind of were able to keep perspective on, especially Cameron Knowles, keep perspective on like what MLS Next Pro is about. It's great to have that team success and playing in playoff matches, you know, and things like that. And extending your season is, is always great. But, you know, MLS Next Pro is about developing the, the next level players, right? It's right. developing the players who could play for, you know, Minnesota United, you know, in 2023, 2024, beyond, right? Um, and I, we've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast, but I think they have absolutely succeeded in that regard this year with AZ Jackson, Tommy Williamson. We've seen some great things from homegrown Devin Pedelford. Um, you know, the, the list goes on. You know, we've seen even, you know, a couple of MPSL North talents and Emmanuel Iwe, Lois Masanvi, um, you know, get get uh, minutes and and, you know, join that squad as well. So it's just been, I think it's been cool. It's been, you know, upping the um, the footprint of the local soccer scene here in and around the Twin Cities, but it's also been doing a good job of, you know, we have a few guys that we can look at on this team and say, I could see that guy making an impact sooner rather than later on the first team. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And, um, you know, in, in that regard, I think a really successful first season for the uh, Minnesota United two side. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if nothing else, there are guys on this roster that should be playing an MLS in the near future. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's that if nothing else, that's a positive. That's a net positive. So uh and especially, you know, especially Jackson, who has what he has those nine goals and I think has what like six or seven assists. Like his numbers this season are 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 really, really strong. Um and yeah, you know, that that's sort of the roller coaster nature of that sort of thing obviously if you're one of those players you probably want more out of the season but um someone like you know cameron knowles is going to be very aware given his background uh with with portland timbers two in the usl championship of you know that there's rules for these teams they don't you know and and portland timbers two tended to struggle in terms of the table uh in the championship but you know they produce players that got to the timbers uh, and, and help that team do what it's done over the last several years, always being competitive in the playoffs. Uh, and so, you know, that that's part of the nature of, of these programs. Uh, Minnesota is going to be 
you know, navigating that still, obviously it's the first year, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of interesting talent on this team. Certainly some guys that you hope will have uh, uh, opportunities with the first team consistently, you know, in a season or two. And uh, if, you know, I, I think that's enough to, to say that, that Minnesota United too was a, a successful idea. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Interesting to see what year two has in store next year. And, um, you know, if if we see a guy like AZ Jackson, not only on the first team, but kind of making that impact. And I think that's kind of the the interesting thing about this new dy- dynamic with the Minnesota United organization that, you know, if, if AZ Jackson is called up to that first team roster, he's doing he's doing so with the expectation that he is going to play and make a difference because mm-hmm. if he's called up, and with the expectation that, oh, we'll see, maybe he'll get some playing time here and there. He might as well just be back in him in UFC too, right? That's the whole thing is that's there for not only the up and comers. And I think that's the main part, part of it, but it's also there for those guys who aren't getting a lot of playing time on the first team to sort of get those minutes and stay on the field and stay fresh and stay ready if they're called right. upon on the first team, right? So interested to see. I think that's the big thing I'll be looking for um, in the off season. And obviously that's something I'm sure we'll be asking Heath and co about their plans for a guy like AZ Jackson um, in 2023, um, how, you know, he factors in to Minnesota United's roster next year. Um, so more to come there as we kind of get into the off season, but um, yeah, shout out to MNUFC too. And again, two more matches left to come out with, uh, you know, some more positives from their inaugural 2022 campaign. Uh, moving down to the college soccer scene now, and we start with the Gophers. Uh, big win for Minnesota. We were kind of wondering that they've been doing well defensively. Um, you know, Plashko has been excellent in goal, but the kind of the the kicker for them, and I think what has been holding them back so far this season, is they haven't really been able to um, get kind of that second goal in these matches. Get that goal that's either going to save them a result, get them three points. Um, you saw it in the TCU match. Um, where they only got one goal up until the 83rd minute, and then a team like TCU's top 10 in the country comes back for a two to one win, right? Against uh, against a team like uh, Baylor, you only get that one goal, one one draw, you know, seem to be there for the taking. Now they go to North Dakota and they put three up on the board in a three to one win. Uh, so Sophia Ramin and Alana Dressley getting the goals. And I think an, an encouraging sign from this one is it, it wasn't the usual suspects on the mm. board for the Gophers. It wasn't it wasn't Izzy Brown. It wasn't sort of those those names that we've seen, you know, pop up an SC top 10 and, you know, popping up, you know, going viral on Twitter for bangers and, you know, you know, scoring multiple goals um, early on in the season. Mm. Um, it was kind of two new names getting on the board, at least as far as the, the season scoring goes. And I think the more contributors, obviously, they can get in the attack, the better it's going to be for their outlook moving forward. Because if you're so reliant on just one or two, even three pieces to get on the board um, with the with the kind of defensive soccer that they play in the Big Ten, I think it's going to be tough sledding. So um, a lot of positives, obviously, to get three goals in a match and come away three to one victors is positive in its own right. But I think more specifically, you see confidence growing and quality growing among more uh, potential dangerous pieces for this team individually yeah of course to do well you have to have a, a full group that is, that is confident and ready to perform you know no team that doesn't have that is going to go very far and, and that's obviously what they would want at, at the gophers um and yeah good to get this sort of win you know as the non-conference run is sort of coming to a close you got two games left and uh you, you want to sort of find your rhythm as you go into conference play obviously so 
uh, great to sort of be finding those feet a little more as things are progressing, heading into bid 10. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's probably very little to complain about a three, one win. So, um, mm -hmm. good, good to see just, uh, the, the program doing its thing as it always does showing that confidence, showing that, that, that group effort. Um, and again, kind of finding their rhythm probably when it sort of matters most. Yeah, absolutely. So two more non-conference games on the slate, uh, this weekend, Omaha and Marquette, um, and then conference play kicks in on the road to Nebraska on the 16th. So if you're listening on Friday, that Omaha match is this evening um, and it's available on BTN plus, um, which is uh, kind of a paid subscription service. But if you're very into go for athletics, maybe you've gotten BTN plus for other things um, that's included in your subscription as well. Um, St. Thomas women followed up a nil nil draw against Idaho last week with a three nil win over Northern Iowa to continue what has been largely a very positive um, non-conference slate for the Tommies. Um, goals from Alex Balfour, Abby Brantner, and Lexi Huber. Um, they host Marquette on the night of recording here on Thursday evening and then Summit, Summit League play just two weeks away. I, I think it's one thing to look at St. Thomas in year two and D1 on the women's side. You know, there was a lot to build off of in year one. You come into the preseason, they're picked to finish mid-table in the Summit League, which may have surprised a lot of people. Um, being again, just year two as a D one program, but they've had a really, I think not eye opening because, you know, you and I, we follow this team pretty closely. I don't necessarily think we're surprised by the non-conference slate this team has had, but mm -hmm. at the same time, you are knocking off very established programs in the, in the realm of soccer and D one soccer specifically. Um, and so obviously that only improves the confidence for the Tommies moving forward as you get closer to that important conference schedule. But I think it also kind of opens the eyes as maybe a little bit like that, that reassurance that, you know, it wasn't a fluke that they were picked to have, you know, a marginally better season in year two and kind of take that significant step forward in year two. And I, they've, they've, they've backed it up so far in the early going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really from the, uh, from the get go, it's felt like this, the St. Thomas women's program has really been able to to push its limits with this expansion to D1. And uh, obviously this year looking to, to improve on, on what was done well last year. Um, and yeah, that this non-conference run has been, been very productive and, and it's, it's great to see, obviously that jump to D1 for all the different athletic programs at St. Thomas, there's going to be a lot of challenges and everyone knew that meant there's going to be some tough, runs from different teams and all that sort of stuff uh that that's understandable and that's really unavoidable but it, it is great to see in the taste of st thomas women's soccer you know an ability to sort of push the limits of that a little bit find space to thrive here and there and and you know find some really good results um that that's really encouraging for you know th this this project that is bringing more d1 athletics to minnesota so um yeah i mean obviously congrats on on the win uh and uh Really interested to see how all this comes to fruition when we get, you know, to Summit League play for them. And then on the men's side for the Tommies, they followed a tough 5-0 loss to Dayton, <clears throat> excuse me, with the 3-2 win over Incarnate Word. Um, the Tommies scored the tying and winning goals in a two-minute span in the second half there as Dennis Menza Jr. opened his account for the season with an equalizer in the 63rd minute, and then Carver Tierney netted the winner in the 65th. 
to notch that win. It's the first time St. Thomas has scored three goals in their Division One era. So um, uh, some things to build off of, and I think you see the men taking a step forward, albeit maybe not as significant as we're seeing the men's program do. But, um, you know, the, the men are still kind of making those incremental steps. And, um, you know, I, I think it was always going to maybe be a little bit more of a, of a process and some more growing pains for their program. But um, some positives to take away and, you know, now you have a stretch where you have four games in 11 days from the 10th to the 21st as you prepare for that summer league kickoff on the 24th. So um, largely, I think, a positive non-conference slate so far for the Tommies. And um, you sort of continue to you know, set some records and, and, and hit, some, hit some goals. And um, no, no pun very much intended, I guess, there. Um, <laughs> three goals for the first time in your D1 history. But uh, yeah, I think John Lowry's side has, is building something there. And I'm very interested to see once that summit league schedule kicks off kind of where in year two, the Tommies are, are, um, you know, where, where they place themselves. Is it, is it just a, a notch up the ladder? Is it a few notches up the ladder? Cause I mean, last year ended on such a high note. I think that a maybe elevated expectations for year two to maybe, I don't know. I don't want to say too high, but maybe, maybe a little bit more high than they needed to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, that'll only come with, with the more matches they play in terms of where they'll actually fall. And I'm rambling here, but it would all be it to say non-conference is one thing. I want to yeah. see how they do come, come conference time. Yeah. Obviously it'll be interesting to see how, how, you know, that their non-conference run has been a little bit up and down. Uh, and, and so it'll be interesting to see how, what we actually see then when we get to the summit league play in terms of what sort of, St. Thomas team are, are we watching? Um, and again, you know, a lot for them to deal with this jump. They, they found, especially at the end of the year last year, they, they found some positives. They found some progress, achieved some things. You know, you're going to hope for more of that this year. Obviously, that, that's easier said than done. And, and there's still a lot of sort of steep um, hills to climb for them. So, you know, I, it, it was interesting to see. Obviously, they've shown even in this non-conference run, you know, the ability to, to win some games, the ability to score some goals. That's obviously what you like to see. Uh, and, you know, there'll be a, probably a range of expectations going into this, this upcoming season. But you, you would like to, to think that uh, they'll, 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 you know, try to find a good happy medium between the realistic and the unrealistic. But, uh, yeah, I mean, good, good to see, uh, if nothing else, you know, the men's side, along with the women's side, continuing to find their, their home in D1 sports, continuing to find their home in D1 soccer. It's a process, but it's a beneficial one to, to Minnesota, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what things look like when the Summer League comes. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 Pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate 
and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pensholmes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pensholmes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pensholmes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. This Saturday, home opener for the men's side um, against Stonehill. Um, so that's going to be exciting to see the Thomas get back at home. And uh, we'll see if that home cooking can uh, continue and maybe make this a little bit of a win streak to finish off the non-conference schedule. Um, down to D2, where the St. Cloud men suffered their 3-0 loss to Colorado Christian at home in their final non-conference matchup. They end that short, very short non-conference season with a 1-1-2 and record. They kick off GLIAC play on September 9th at UW Parkside. <clears throat> and then on the women's side in D2 in the NSIC, Minnesota State Mankato beat number one Grand Valley State 1-0 on the road. A huge, huge win for Mankato there. Earned multiple, uh, there were multiple uh, girls from the Minnesota State team on the NSIC team of the week and, and things like that. Obviously, very, very um, deserved after that performance against Grand Valley State. Uh, Bemidji State gave their first non-conference win with a 1-0 victory over Michigan Tech. They have a 1-1-1 record going into conference play. So, um, you know, not the usual dominance we're used to seeing from the squad up in, up in Bemidji in, in conference play. We'll see if they can turn things around as that NSIC slate gets kicked off uh, Friday here on the 9th. Second wave of games on the 11th as well. Um Check your local listings. Uh, Cities of Mankato, Marshall, St. Paul, Crookston, and Bemidji will be hosting games Friday through Sunday. If we wanted to list out all the games, we'd be here until Sunday <laughs> listing all those off. So um, if you're a fan of one of the teams or you just, you know, you're in or around the Twin Cities or in any one of these colleges and you want to go watch some really, really good high-level women's soccer, um, definitely go check it out. Um, and then finally in the D3 realm, the Mayak and the UMAC non-conference games are ongoing with conference play up ahead. Uh, Augsburg going on an unbeaten run with a 3-1 to win over UW-Superior, an 8-1 win over Minnesota Morris, and a th- <clears throat> 3-0 no win over Northwestern St. Paul. Gustavus women, <clears throat> wow, excuse me, frog in my throat here, Dom, uh, <laughs> on a great run with a 2-0 no win over Chapman University, 2-1 to over Cal Lutheran, and 6-0 no over Bethany Lutheran. And then speaking of Bethany Lutheran, the men are looking strong with a four to one win over Buena Vista, two to one over Hamlin, and a one to one draw <laughs> over Gustavus. Almost there, me. <laughs> almost, we're almost there. Uh, and then my conference play starts on the 13th and the 14th with the UMAC on the 17th. Dom, I'm going to take a drink real quick. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, kick us off with the with the other news here. Oh, sure. Well, and I'll just, I'll just throw in there too with the D3 stuff. It's fun to see, you know, that you saw some UMAP results that were positive over the Mayak and stuff like that. You saw some, some interesting matchups, obviously non-conference play, but uh, some, some interesting shows of ability from, from different programs. The UMAP obviously usually uh, are rated below the Mayak. So uh, yeah, really, really cool stuff. Uh, a lot of college uh, soccer really revving up. So obviously, like, like we said earlier, if you, you probably already know if you live near a college, <laughs> um, if you do, uh, check out what they're up to. Check out what their men's and women's teams are up to. There's probably some college stock you can go watch. Uh, other news. Uh, first off, it's just sort of a, a, a gr- broad uh, shout out to you know high school soccer, which has is kicking off, has kicked off for a couple of games now, depending on where you are at. Uh, if uh, you know if you're an alum of somewhere, or if you're actively going somewhere, or you got a kid going somewhere. 
um, you know, check out what your high school soccer programs are up to. Um, there's, there's probably some, some cool talents that you can go check out. Uh, and then the, the first big sort of fun news is a, is a shout out to Jacob Popkin for uh, scoring a, a brace, including a wild long range banner of a goal in a sort of exhibition match that for Syracuse pulse of, of NISA against flower city union also of NISA. Uh, Syracuse, I think, is they're, they're sort of on like a little break in their season. They had like a couple of weeks. They're just going to have a league game, sort of a rest before they go back. And so they had an exhibition game or two. This one, I think they won 6-0, kind of blasted Flower City. Uh, but uh, yeah, Jacob Pompton got, I think he got like the second and the fourth goals. But mm. uh, the second one, go on Twitter, you'll be able to find it. A couple people have shared it. Uh, it's, a, it's like a crazy out-of-the-box, just belter of a goal. So shout out to Jacob. Yeah, very, very cool to see him, uh, you know, r- rising his form and his standing with that club, right? When he first yeah. started, it took him a while to get just just in the lineup and uh, on the pitch in general. And then we saw him make the most of his time early on. And then he kind of got to start to see him maybe in the starting lineup a little bit more. And now mm-hmm. he's scoring bangers. So it's yeah. uh, it's awesome to see him raise his profile a little bit with, uh, with Syracuse. And uh, hopefully that means good things for his uh, future professional career as well. Um, speaking of pros that are Minnesotan, Mukwele Akale earns a penalty that leads to Tormenta's lone goal, Tormenta FC's lone goal, in a 3-1 loss to Richmond in USL League One action Wednesday night. Uh, the funny thing here, though, and a bit of banter with our own Jacob Schneider on Twitter, the team account dubbed Akale the quote-unquote Minnesota Messi. Um, you know, he's he's very good on the ball, like Messi was, but, I mean, if he's really going to earn that, he's going to, you know, Maybe get a few goals, but uh, so far a really, really good start. I think to Akale's sort of reintroduction to professional soccer. Um, good to see him making an impact for, for Tormenta. Um, he was up for man of the match consideration uh, in a match last week. Um, really a vital contributor, while not on the score sheet, um, to a run of wins that they had leading up to this Richmond match. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know what necessarily the expectations were. For Akale, at least from my vantage point, I was just interested to see how he would do, um, having been kind of off the pitch in important action for so long. Uh, and it seems like he's he's doing well. He seems to be in shape. He seems to be, um, you know, he's he's in the starting eleven for most all of these matches. So obviously the team sees something in him that he can be that contributor. And um, yeah, it's just been been cool to see him sort of get, get that opportunity once again. And obviously he seems to be making, making the most of it so far, even if it's not on the, you know, with the goals. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously taking this opportunity very seriously and the team clearly take um, having him very seriously and, and he's getting a lot of minutes, which is, is great. It's what, you know, a person in his position really needs is you need to, whether it's, you know, long-term future with the Tormenta or, or somewhere else, you, you need resume and minutes recent resume and minutes you need something to show for uh that wasn't you know two three four years ago uh and he's he's very much getting that uh in usl league one with tormento so that's great to see uh, as for the minnesota messy thing yeah i don't know i mean he's probably got he's probably got better feet than the coleman's and eric miller so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but there you go but i mean at the very least it's a good alliteration right yeah. so yes but Ethan Finley is the Duluth Messi. He's the Northern Minnesota Messi. So shout out to What's Ethan. What's uh, the what would we do to keep the alliteration there? What would be the comparison if not Messi? What what do we do to keep the D alliteration um, there? 
Uh, well, the first the thing that Duluth comes to mind Drogba? Is, yeah, Drogba wasn't much of a oh, much of a. I was gonna say the Duluth Maradona or something. Oh, there you go. I don't mind that. Well, you got the D in there at least. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That, that's yeah, good. I don't know that's what a good. better one would be. Oh, but, uh, oh, wow. but anyways, yeah, great great to see uh, McQuelle, you know, doing well in Tormenta. I, frankly, I think he's actually hit the ground running more than we expected. I think we weren't sure if, you know, was he going to play right away and all that sort of stuff, but he, yeah. he's basically starting every game. So, uh, yeah, great to see. And then on the lower league side of things, Vlora announced October 2nd tryouts. So if you are looking for a a spot to play, if you're an aspiring soccer player, you, you, got, some, you got some skills and – you want to find a team to play for next year. Um, Vlora is hosting October 2nd tryouts, a chance to be involved with the club's many different branches and squads. So, you know, they have their their first team, which is obviously the UPSL squad, but they also have a team in the uh, MASL as well. So definitely go and, and check that out if you're an aspiring soccer player in the area. Uh, Fraben Pagoba called up by the Belize U-20 national team for a camp. Recently played with FC Minneapolis in 2022, scored a few goals and 12 appearances there for the City Lions. And then finally, the Minnesota Fall Cup schedule was released with games on September 11th, 18th, and 25th. And then once again on October 2nd and 9th. It's cool to see how this tournament, you know, was just kind of developed as a, you know, it was, it was the fall after COVID-19 really became a thing. And it was just, you know, teams trying to find a way to safely get back out on the field after the summer season was canceled and, um, it's it's really grown into a, a fun fall tournament that I think uh, a lot of these teams and players look forward to um, after the regular season's over. Um, so it involved the City Lions of FC Minneapolis in addition to Granite City, um, Gargar, Twin City FC, and Sporting Minnesota. So multiple leagues represented, multiple levels of clubs represented. And again, just kind of a cool thing that these these teams and these players get a chance to get out in the fall and, and play some soccer. and um, you know, and enjoy some time back with their teammates. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really great. Um, I think it's really great anytime, you know, I, I, I think I've seen some, some hints that there'll probably be some of this going on with some other leagues people will be familiar with, but I'll, I'll let that get announced when it gets announced, but um, great to see, you know, teams. Oh, come on, Dom, give us a scoop. Oh, cause I don't, I don't, I don't know details. I just know there's teams planning ah. to have fall winter activity, but, Got it. Um, okay. but um Great, uh, great, great to see teams, you know, find ways to get a little extra time on the pitch time, like you said, you know, when the season's done, uh, in this case, interacting with some different leagues as well, some or rather clubs from different leagues and, and that sort of thing. A lot of these teams have history together, regardless of playing in different leagues now. And uh, so that's all great. And, uh, and yeah, shout out to, to Freyden for um, this, uh, this opportunity with the U20 team in Belize. My understanding, so I, I, I talked to him quickly uh, last night just to clarify some things. So the, um, the announcement from FC Minneapolis had a typo. He, he, they said he was called it to the U 17 team. He was called to the U 20 team because he's 20 years old. Uh, but, uh, he had been called to the U 17 team a couple of years back. Uh, so he's kind of been on and off with the, the, the youth categories of Belize and, uh, uh, played there with some, some teams lower level. And then obviously here recently FC Minneapolis and, so uh, interesting little story there with, you know, with him. He's fooling around some different teams, did well for FC Minneapolis this year. Obviously, they had a pretty solid year. And, uh, and yeah, best of luck with him with, with the national team. And, and hopefully that you know, helps him sort of find a, a long-term career uh, in the game as he develops that. But, uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff going on. Keeping a very close eye on that. Obviously, we will be here on the uh, 10,000 Pitches podcast in at SotaSoccer.com. Okay, Dom, top four time here 
our uh, you know top four non-Minnesota soccer related, maybe Minnesota soccer related that we didn't get a chance to talk about in, uh, in the regular podcast. Just kind of four quick uh, news stories here to wrap things up. And I'm going to go with my first. Um, and it's Spygate. It's back. And <laughs> it's back in lower league soccer, uh, believe it or not. As it seems to be that a staffer for Orlando City ahead of Wednesday night's U.S. Open Cup final um, was lingering around a little bit at a Sacramento Republic training, which was held reportedly at a public park. So it wasn't held at some sort of closed door facility, but Hmm. it seems as if this staffer was sort of lingering around, was asked to leave multiple times. He did not. Uh, The timeline given was somewhere between like 30 and 40 minutes that he stuck around. Um, Not sure if there will be any um, coming down on Orlando city for this. Not sure how big of a deal this is in the long run, but it's not a great look to be the MLS side (laughs) playing the USL championship side in the final. And it's the MLS side that seems to be maybe um, taking some underhanded tactics leading into the match. Um, It's just, yeah, not a great look. Now Orlando city did end up winning the match three nil. Not sure. Not sure how much the the half hour of uh, viewing uh, impacted that scoreline at all, but just 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 not a great look. Yeah. Not a great look at all. No, and you know it's one of those things of on the one hand, you know, just like you know, I think probably the last time this sort of thing got like big publicity was when um, Bielsa's leads got in trouble for some stuff with I think it was Darby at the time, Frank mm-hmm. Lampard's Darby side, and there was some accusations of that, and that was actually you know involving a private training facility but yep. um you know when that happened my my thought was if there's not a rule against it then you can't get him in trouble for it um yeah you know, i don't know if the open cup or mls or any of those organizations have specific rules about observing other teams trainings especially if it's in a public place i i understand they asked the person to leave but my question would be if they had any legal backing to ask mm-hmm. the person to leave because otherwise it's just a suggestion it doesn't matter um so you know it is what it is orlando probably would have won that game either way but yeah to your point though it is a weird thing for the mls team to be the one that feels it has to do that um if you really want to see by the way like if you really want to see them play all their games are on espn plus (laughs) you just go watch hours and hours of film but um yeah you know it is what it is you know shout out to the republic by the way just for obviously making it that far um, and shout out to Damia Vieter for starting that game, former Duluth FC player. But uh, also, obviously, congratulations to Orlando for what I think is their first piece of uh, of, of, of MLS-related silverware, as far as I can recall. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's awesome. Um, my, my first one would be like a quick, this, this is not Minnesota at all, but it, it's a quick shout out for the folks out there that really just like watching the soccer and don't need it to be about Minnesota. Or, or, or MLS or anything like that, which is just that um, all across um, Venezuelan soccer right now, it's all getting to like the playoff. But Venezuela uses playoffs kind of like MLS does to decide things. Uh, and, and the playoff period is, is all coming all across the you know, promotion playoffs and um, first division title playoffs coming soon. The women's league at playoffs right now. So if you like watching soccer, all of this is free to watch. You do not have to pay to watch any of this. The most you need for for this is sometimes you need a VPN 
for Gold TV, which is the broadcast, the international broadcaster. Otherwise, half of it's on YouTube, like official broadcast on YouTube. So if you're interested, you should go check out some Venezuelan soccer because a lot of it's being played right now and a lot of it's free to watch. Uh, and a lot of it's the more high stakes stuff. So I'm just going to do a quick shout out to that. Um, and if you need some help navigating all that, I know a page you could go to. It's linked in my <laughs> Twitter bio. It's called Footbank English. But uh, just just a quick shot because you know I I I do think it's fun to sometimes I'll like randomly watch I'll find a way on like eleven sports or when it was my Cujo I'll find like a game randomly in a lead I've never watched before and just sort of like I mean a lot of, I remember when the lot when the pandemic started a lot of people did actually this with the Belarusian lead the Belarusian yeah. lead because it kept going so all mm-hmm. of a sudden lots of people were and it was like free to watch on something I don't remember where but um so all of a sudden like everybody everybody learned a lot about belarus um so anyways <laughs> it, it's just a, a a shout out if you really like watching soccer and maybe you're not sure what to watch sometimes um it's at night from thursday to sunday so check it out yeah those uh belarusian games we're getting we're getting quite the ratings uh <laughs> them and uh korean league baseball we're getting yes. uh we're getting all the all the ratings that's uh, anybody any sport anything any sports fan is watching uh, during that time, for sure. Um, my second thing, um, kind of, of course, maybe one of the biggest soccer-related stories of the entire week worldwide. Of course, Chelsea sack Thomas Tuchel and hire Brighton's Graham Potter as his successor. Um, first off, I think a lot of American soccer fans were very pleased to see this news um, because just of the way that, that Christian Pulisic had been used or, or underused uh by by Tuchel so far this season and obviously wasn't leading to Chelsea to very much success either as a club um who did they who did they lose to in the um the, the uh, day that he was Dinamo uh is a Croatian team uh you know Zagreb Dinamo Zagreb yep I think and it was like it was pretty pretty one-sided right yeah, again I, mean, I guess I have Google I could look this up but um yeah, just kind of the last straw there for Tuchel. So uh, another interesting wrinkle to this, though, is they're able to – okay, well, it was 1-0. But um, interesting wrinkle to this is, you know, Graham Potter can just jump ship now from Brighton to Chelsea in the middle of the season, which is – to me, it reminds me kind of of, like, college football, how um, there's, you know, coaches – like, they'll, you know, they'll lead a team – I remember Brian Kelly, for example. Sorry to get on a college football rant here, but it, it associates. Brian Kelly currently coaches LSU. Back in the day, he coached Cincinnati. Led them to their best season like ever, and they made a very, very um, high-level bowl game. It wasn't the national championship, but it was one of those premier New Year's Day-type bowls. Um, and before the bowl game, he said, see ya, take a Notre Dame job. Best of luck, guys. Deuces. Um, and it's just, it's, to me, it's weird how player contracts and coach contracts can be so different and their limitations yeah. or lack thereof. Um, it seems to be sort of a common theme. And I think that's the biggest commonality is coaches have maybe have a little bit more freedom than the players do to, to move about. Um, granted there was kind of a buyout and there were some things that had to be done for Chelsea and Brighton from a business standpoint to make this yeah. happen. But, um, it kind of stinks for Brighton fans. It really kind of stinks for Brighton fans. To have this this coach who you, I mean, I'm I'm not a Bryant uh, Brighton supporter by any means, but 
I mean, probably soon they kind of fell in love with as somebody that has sort of led them on this on this journey to, um, yeah. you know, Premier League not only relevancy, but I mean, they're what they're t- top ten in the table right now, right? Top eight. I think they're, I think they're, they're top, top six. Yeah. Top six. So I mean, it's it's really, you know, it's been a positive for them. But now all of a sudden, now they're left looking. Who's going to be our next coach? Who's going to be our next manager? And all calls into question, you know, players' futures for the team. Maybe they were brought in, you know, under the assumption that he, they would be playing. Well, obviously, all of them were brought in under the assumption they'd be playing for him, but specifically because he was the manager. And it's just, it throws that whole organization for a loop a little bit here. Uh, just one decision. But obviously, it's great for him to get that opportunity. He's a young English manager. To play to to manage at Chelsea has to be sort of like a dream come true for him. It just I don't know. It it, it really sucks for for Brighton supporters that it's kind yeah. of worked out this way. Yeah, it, it's a it's a weird one. You know, I, just to double check, I checked. Yeah, Brighton have 13 points from six games. They are one point behind Manchester City and two points off the top of the table. Wow. They are they are ahead of United. They are ahead of Chelsea. They are ahead of Liverpool. Uh, they're in fourth place. To be clear. Um, they're having a very good run. And so it, it, it's it's awkward to lose him in this moment. Um, and, and, you know, going off what you were saying, comparing like player and coach contracts, there is part of me that wonders if, God forbid, that things be made more complicated about the transfer market. But <laughs> part of me wonders if coach contracts should be locked into windows the way player contracts are. Ooh, Yeah um only obviously with the exception of if a, if a person is if a coach is sacked and, and 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 you know essentially becomes you know like a a free agent with you know t- economic ties to the contract that's being paid off or whatever but in terms of getting a guy who is actively the coach or the manager rather of another team i i feel like there should be windows for that i feel like you shouldn't just be able to randomly do that whenever you want um it just feels like a great way to sabotage an team. Uh, and the fact that you can kind of do it whenever, as long as everybody agrees to it, just, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't quite make sense to me. I, that being said, I understand Graham Potter's interest in coaching Chelsea. I understand that his career ambitions probably involve taking uh, the head of, of, you know, a team like that, a team of that size. So no, no, no anger about that. I just, it's too bad because this brain side looked really good. And this probably is going to sabotage um, their season. Unfortunately, I, I just, unless they have a great successor lined up, which maybe they do because they probably knew people were interested in him. But even then, I mean, it's going to have to be perfect to, to, to keep this momentum. So that's too bad. Um, but I guess sort of best, best of luck to all parties and, and hopefully Brighton can kind of, figure their way out of this one because again they're really having a wonderful season i mean they're uh, mm-hmm. i think that you know they have one loss and otherwise they've they've had really really good performance there's a lot of really good players um and really good by the way while selling like all this is actually the interesting thing about potter leaving is as this season has started brighton have been <laughs> actively selling all their players but still playing yeah. really well they sold uh Maupai to everton they sold kukurea mm-hmm. to chelsea uh, there's another guy they sold like right when the season started whose name's escaping me, but they've been like selling big pieces to other teams and actively just playing better every week. And they have a weird thing going on there. So hopefully that continues with Potter gone. Um, but yeah, anyways, interesting, interesting the way coach movements happen. Um, my last one is also sort of like a shout out to something interesting that happened with a, a European team, it's actually in the champions. Well, 
it connects to the Champions League. It's not about the Champions League. And it's that there's been all these interesting reports coming out about the nature of um, Anton Griezmann's um, uh, current stint at Atletico Madrid. He's on loan from Barcelona. And there's been reports that have come out that, so his loan, the money connected to the loan is based on minutes played. So if he plays a certain amount of minutes, Atletico Madrid will have to pay Barcelona a lot more. And um, apparently that is why he has not started any games. He's been coming on in like the last 30 minutes of every game. Just the same every game. He comes in the last 20, 30 minutes. And apparently there's reports that's because he can't, that uh, uh, Simeone, the manager, has been told he cannot start him because it would give him too many minutes. <laughs> it would give him too many minutes and they'd have to pay Barcelona, you know, or at least have to pay them before they know whether or not it pays off, like, through the season. Really. Which is interesting. And then it's really interesting because in Atletico Madrid played Porto in the Champions League the other day. I think it was yesterday. And um, it was... Uh, Atletico scored the opener in like the 90th minute and then Porto scored like two minutes later and then Griezmann who did not start that game scored the uh, the winner in like the 101st minute or something and ran Shoot. around kissing the badge and you know whatever kind of trying to show that he still cares about the team despite the situation but it's just like the most bizarre series of drama although that's a player that frankly hasn't been able to escape drama in a long time mm. uh, but it's just a fascinating example of like weird contract drama that, you know, clearly a very talented player has been that been known as that for many years. And his manager has been told he cannot start him because it costs <laughs> the team too much money. So he can only play the ends of games. Uh, but it pays off in this case because they get those three points in their in their first Champions League match. So, anyways, um, I suggest reading in more about that because it just seems like a very weird story that's developing over in Spain. And it's not like Barca could use that money or anything. It's not like they're... No, well, I, I'm sure they were that. really hoping that they play him a lot. I'm sure they had <laughs> Listen, a whole strategy around there's that a, There's a deal there. There's a deal in that loan that like, yeah. hey, when you play us, play him all 90, we'll throw the match. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> play him all 90, yeah. we'll throw the match. Because uh, <laughs> we need the money. We need the money. Oh, uh, Anyways, all right. Well, I think that's a great, uh, great place to... Uh, press the uh, stop button here. So uh, big thanks to everybody who listens to this Godforsaken podcast. We really appreciate you. Uh, if you listen to this far, especially God love you. Thank you for consuming the content. 10 K stoppage time is live right now over at soda soccer doc or soda soccer.com patreon.com slash soda soccer. Where Dom and I are discussing kind of this chaotic Western conference race where Minnesota United stands in it. There are playoff odds all of that so if you want that content head over to patreon.com slash soda soccer right now and dom and i will catch you next week for another episode of 10k see you guys have a great weekend